welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO20, save 20% off every single one of your, your purchases. That discount code is good all year long. This podcast is also brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars. Phoenix Handlebars is your one-stop shop for all your handlebar needs. They're fantastic. They're amazing. They've got handlebars for you. Customer service, unbelievable. Uh, Jason over there is going to take care of you and make sure that you've got the right handlebar with the right sweep, the right bend, and everything in between. I will also give a shout out to Reverend Motors. They took care of me with a, a, a care package. They sent me some two-stroke oil. Uh, USPS was not nearly as kind as they were as the box came to my door today in, uh, in very much disrepair, but thankfully the oil was fine and uh, looking forward to using that when the, when the weather turns a little bit warmer as we're in the middle of Win Winnipeg is full-time winter right now. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line. We're going to start off out on the West Coast just because he's a big deal, he works for Racer Rex. You probably follow him uh, if you're thinking if you're you follow motocross video games whatsoever. I do plan on on uh, talking some motocross video games with him during this podcast, just so, just to sort of throw out some things because I I just absolutely love moto video games. There's so many that I played over the year. Kellen Brower, Kellen, how's it going? Good man, I appreciate that intro. I don't feel like I'm as big of a deal as you made me, but I do appreciate the kind words. Hey, that's what we do here. We make uh, we make giants out of uh, complete nobodies, and you certainly fit the bill. Well, I, I appreciate it nonetheless. Awesome. And also with us, he's been with us for multiple preseason preview pods in the past. He's a knowledgeable fan. He's an analytical fan and an all-star bike builder uh, who uh, I'd like to call a friend. He's, uh, he's a great guy. He's been on the podcast a number of times. Welcome him back to the show. Matt Weller. Matt, how's it going? Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Hey, I'm not doing too bad, boys. I'm absolutely jacked. Two days in a row going to press conferences. That can only mean one thing, and that is that Supercross is right on the doorstep. Normally, Kellen, we're at Anaheim 1. We're sitting in this crowded uh, knot hole nightclub sort of thing the 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 place where everyone goes and gets drinks there's a million uh, people sitting up there uh with a bunch of re uh, reporters staring back at them asking ridiculous questions um and every year is more and more guys this year we had i believe it was uh as, as many as 15 guys available for the 450 uh press conference which is kind of ridiculous but that's just how many fast guys we have this year totally different this year it's totally it's all online and uh i don't even know if you'll be able to make it to a lot of these races lord knows the uh that i won't given the fact the canadian border is closed thanks to COVID 19 but uh by hook or by crook we're gonna have a 450 supercross season and the three of us are here to break it all down because uh i think we probably we pretty much know best right uh yeah i mean i think that we no. are yeah yeah so honestly, boys, like and we'll start with Kellen. Like you've been a fan of the sport for a long period of time. Can you can you remember a year where we had this many top end athletes with this level of competition and this level of expertise and this healthy all at the same time? Sometimes we think back to like sometime in the mid '80s. Some people point out 2005. 
But this year, I don't think you can you can even come close in the fact that I'm looking at uh, at at least. I'm looking at, I don't know, there's at least six guys in the 450 class that not only have one, but two 250 Supercross titles, and a bunch of other guys that also have one. Like, this is this is the most ridiculous class I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I feel like recent years we've had a couple of classes where maybe you can get down to like 16th or 17th and you have a guy that maybe he won a 250 race a long time ago but we're we're legitimately looking at guys that might borderline not make the main event that have legitimate speed that could have won races in the 250 class or uh challenged at some point and it's incredible how healthy everybody is like you mentioned it seems like we're going into the season with just about everybody able to make it to the start and it obviously makes it a lot more exciting i feel like what's making it a lot more competitive this year is it's not as top heavy as we're used to seeing we're coming off of basically the fourth straight year where there was a different champion. We had Dungey in 17, Anderson 18, Webb 19, and now Tomac 20. And you don't usually get that sort of, um, you know, parody year after year to kind of frame up upcoming seasons. And again, we could have another new champion this year and it really wouldn't be a big surprise. No, it wouldn't. And uh, I think you'd agree, Matt, that uh, um, with that parity, it's going to make starts in this particular season that much more important. It's so cliche. We talk about it all the time, how the starts are what makes the, the championship, and whoever consistently gets those starts is going to be up front. But this year, I think more than any, if you're buried in the pack more often than not, you're not going to be able to move through this pack. There's too many fast guys. I 100% agree with that any given weekend your top five six seven bikes off the start i mean that's going to be i think how the race finishes any of those guys behind them it's just going to be an all-out war and i i can't imagine the block passes and the takeouts that are going to go on in these first three rounds in houston that's everybody's going to be fired up and wanting to get get the best position they can and show their dominance so now is going to be the most important it certainly will be. So, guys, I think it he, he it took him a good four years of dominant performances to finally get a championship in Monster Energy Supercross. Eli Tomac is is going to have the one number one plate all the way through the season. He earned it. I think that's who we need to start, start this conversation off with. For a lot of people, he's their title favorite rolling into the championship. He certainly already has the the, the red plate rolling in. Although I'm willing to bet that Justin Barsha will also have a red plate, and that's going to be kind of awkward. But uh, that's probably just in the pits. Um, Kellen, let's roll things off. Start with the champ. Um, Eli Tomac, like, he, he had a very off summer. He, he's got a kid now. Uh, he's turned the page. He's probably had a big exhale um, after the season and can refocus. Uh, but is he going to be as dominant? Is he going to have that, uh, that X factor that's really propelled him? To, uh, to to be a, a title contender year after year and last year be the champion? Uh, it's really tough to say, and I feel like this year there's so little hype surrounding him because his summer was so bad or just so off of what we normally see Tomac outdoors, and it makes you feel almost like he's exhaled from finally clinching this Supercross championship, and maybe the weight off his shoulders is really just an entire weight in general that's completely taken the edge off of him, and he doesn't have that same mentality that championship level that he had to get there in the first place 
So I do still believe that he is going to come out and, and fire on all cylinders and contend at the front and probably win this championship again. But it just doesn't feel the same like it has in the past years where you're coming in and you're like, uh, he is going to be the guy, the clear number one, the fastest guy on the track. It's just can he mentally put it all together? really doesn't feel like that this year. Yeah, for me, I think, it, it, like, not to say that he's not motivated. Obviously, once you get that first championship, a lot of guys have that sort of exhale. They have to refocus. Probably they get they get back into it. I know he's going to have speed. I know he's probably at, at uh, a, a great bill of health rolling in. I think it's going to take one one round and finally, all right, championships back on, and it, almost like someone's going to turn the lights on for Tomac and um, like light that fire once again. Not to say that he's not he's not motivated, but I think that's might be what it takes. Matt, what's your take? Well, I'm going to be honest. Kellen completely just changed my decision on where to put Tomac. Um, He's a persuasive guy. I didn't. Yeah, I I did not. I did not think that uh, Tomac would come into this season with that same fire that we've seen. But uh, he he sold me on it, and I I I agree with him. And I guess I could see him repeating that title, um, and that kind of makes me rethink the rest of the the podium for the the final um i mean i've always kind of been on the tomac bandwagon but the last few years he's not given me much to root for until this last year so um i i i think that uh i i could see tomac repeating this well there you go i, th- I think uh you know what he he's gonna he's got to be a title favorite. He's gonna be a contender for this championship. Uh, whether or not he has uh, strings together the amount of wins uh, that uh, he's had in the past is yet to be seen. I think he's gonna have more and and stiffer competition than ever that he's had in this championship. So that's definitely gonna be a factor. But uh, if anybody can rise to the occasion, it's probably Eli. Let's go to uh, your your second place. In the point standings from last year, he was that the Wednesday wonder. Unfortunately, we're not uh, we're not racing any Wednesdays this year. He'll be have to be a Tuesday wonder. Uh, but that's Cooper Webb. Took the winter the summer off. Didn't race outdoors um, to to basically get healthy after jacking his back up a second time. Um, and uh, but this two time super uh, two fifty Supercross champ, one time four fifty Supercross champ. Uh, to me, Kellen. He seems to be a guy who he, he reminds me of a, a, a boxer, like a prize fighter who last year got punched in the mouth, he got knocked out, and he got sent home without his belt. He, he's got that kind of like kind of greasy, smarmy look in his eye. He's got that kind of cocky smile where he's like, I got something under the hood that you guys don't know about. And I think that he comes out in 2021, uh, like guns a blazing. I think he's going to come out with some swagger, and I think he's going to be a serious contender for this championship. I would agree 100% there, and I feel like what happened last year with him where it just it felt like it took so long for him to find the level where he, he was back on a winning pace, he was comfortable with that pace, and then the big crash in Arlington took him out of that. But as soon as we got back going again, it's like you, you saw that the mental click that happened when he won San Diego and then he was battling up front in, in Atlanta after the back injury that he, he just knew or felt like he knew what he was doing again and how to get to the front and how to win these races. And I think that that mentally was huge for him because even if he doesn't win the title last year, he at least proved to himself in a way that 
it wasn't the fluke one year like we saw kind of out of Anderson at this point where he had the speed one year, but he didn't have the speed the next year. Webb totally proved it back-to-back years that he can run up front, challenge for wins, and challenge for this championship, and I think that that's going to fuel the fire for him uh, to take Tomac down this year. All right on. Now, Matt, uh, after the two years that Webb spent on the Yamaha, isn't it amazing that we're even talking about him in this breath? Because at the end of 2018, like it, that just wasn't that wasn't the case for for Webb. He spent the two years on the Yamaha, uh, like just never seemed himself. Never really seemed like he seemed like the the bike was riding him. And I don't think he was going to transition transition well to the 450. Now we're talking about a, a one-time Supercross champion on the KTM coming into a season on a very familiar motorcycle, which I think is going to be a huge feather in the cap of anybody who didn't have to change brands or at least isn't dealing with a brand new motorcycle. In that he's going to know how to test. And uh, if things aren't exactly where he needs them to be, he's going to know where to go because they have so much experience working on that bike. Yeah, he's one of those guys that are just sneaky. Um, He could come in and win the first round in Houston, or he could finish 10th. And uh, he's not my title favor, or was my title favor, period. But he's going to be there to the end um he's proven time and time again he's a fighter um he's one of those guys that's mentally strong and he gets in and tries to get another rider's heads and he's got a good game face so as we saw with mcgrath in the 90s i mean you come in and you you get that that game face on you get in those guys heads and that that means a lot um you might not be the fastest guy but if you make the guy next to you think you're faster than him chances are you're going to win so again he's he's gonna win several races um i can almost see him winning more but i can also see him having those bad nights and taking him out of title contention so so what you're saying is in in a sport that uh like the mental side is so big he's actually playing mind games which is Basically, uh, like everyone else is playing checkers, he's playing chess. Oh yeah, I mean we we saw it at uh, Salt Lake City, how he was down playing mind games on the the line with everybody. That's that and was nuts. I I love that. that. I don't know about you guys, I loved it. Kellen, I've got my own opinions about that, and that's for a different day. <laughs> that's that sounds. I mean, like I like did not love it. When, when these guys, I like in general when these guys show any personality if it if it's playing mind games and yelling and screaming on the starting gate or if it's eating donuts on the podium just anything more than just being the same robot over and over again it's great to see can't can't thank my sponsors love it um (laughs) i I think we're all in agreement that uh cooper webb has some top end talent and uh uh, i don't know if i can see him in, in 10th spot but honestly uh, like if all things go well for him in a race, but I, I think that he's gonna definitely gonna have some stiff competition, and uh, basically we're gonna def- we're gonna f- prove that to be true by by the time we're done talking about all these guys. The next guy on the list for me is Ken Roxon, multi-time winner. Uh, if not for some for uh, some arm injuries, we might be talking about multi-time champion in this class. Um, we don't know that he has a full bill of health. Uh, he says he's good to go. Uh, if you ask Austin Hoover at Fox, he says he's flying at the test track. I don't believe Austin because he's not exactly an unbiased opinion. Uh, but not e- either either way, 
I think that you got to pencil uh, Ken in some for some wins in 2000 and uh, 2021. Lord knows he had a points lead last year. He won races last year, including his first one at at St. Louis, which I was at. It was fantastic. Uh, but uh, but Matt, where do you put Ken Roxon? Like where where would you say that his power ranking should be rolling into a season? that uh, I think it's kind of pivotal for Ken. I think he has to really make some noise and really establish himself as still a player within this group. Coming into this season with that new bike, I am i don't really know where to put him. Um, I guess after round one, it would give me a better idea. I There's so many fast guys right now, and there's with that bike unknown I mean I, I could see him being off the podium for round one I could see him being fourth fifth sixth right in that area um, I'm kind of a fan of Kenny I mean I, I want to see him get one of these championships so um, it's it's really unknown right now and it's if, if he was on last year's bike I would say he'd be competing for the win in round one but I just I don't know where to place him right off the bat, so I'm I'm gonna say he's probably gonna be fourth this weekend. You think he's gonna be fourth? Okay, well, I, like we're talking about it in the three spots, so my predictions aren't totally haywire. Kellen, what are your thoughts? You've probably been, been uh, you're one of those cool guys that gets to go to practice track, you get to see Ken Roxon, you are a rock star. Um, tell <laughs> tell us what you've been seeing. Uh, official big mx radio correspondent in california yeah i i'm we'll get you on the fence about kenny i i feel like he could go a little higher than third or he could go four spots behind third at the end of the season because bite your tongue my worry with him my worry with him is yeah he looks good out here i think he looks pretty good on the test tracks and stuff like that but normally we would be on the test tracks that are 30 minutes away from angel stadium and then going to angel stadium and the dirt wouldn't be much different. The track's going to break down pretty similarly, but you know, we're going to Houston, Texas for the first round and none of these guys are training anywhere near there. So they, I don't know if they're going to feel completely comfortable with that brand new bike on soil that they've pretty much never ridden it on before. And if he comes in and he's a little bit off setup wise, I feel like mentally that's going to kind of defeat him before we even drop the gate. And then he has to do the next race right after that. Two days later, doesn't have a lot of time to test the bike if things are wrong. So he could have it figured out, and they could be totally fine. But if it's a little bit wrong, I think it could go really wrong real quick. Here's I'm going to talk to you guys about one thing that could either be uh, completely nothing. It could mean that Ken Roxon knows what he wants and he's feeling something that has absolutely clicked for him. Or it could be something that he is he's he's searching for something and clearly isn't finding it. Kellen, I'm gonna ask you this. How much are these guys absolute head cases and they're absolutely they love certain things about their motorcycle and they almost never change them? I think all hundred percent of the riders have a little bit of that in them. And I think Kenny sometimes can get himself backed into like a little testing corner with his own setup because he just has certain things that he likes about the feel of the motorcycle. You're always going to kind of get that with anybody that comes from the GPs anyway. Roxton has kind of notoriously run his suspension fairly soft in the rear for a lot, a lot of years. Um, and if the bike doesn't gel with that in the whoops or gel with that, you know, in the corners or something like that, 
he's not one that really goes in a 180 degree direction to fix the problem if it's a really big problem so he could back himself into a corner very easily fair enough and now matt i ask you when when do you think the last time was that we saw on any type of inter, either the international stage or on uh, in, in uh, American AMA racing that uh, Ken Roxon had a twin wall handlebar on his motorcycle when or, or even didn't wrote a, a handlebar that wasn't uh, a fat bar of some sort. I I couldn't even begin to to think about that. I guess what what's he running for bars now? Well, the reality is, is that as far as I can tell, as far back of the of, of the of all the the pictures and stuff that I, I went through, all the way back to when he was racing GPS, I can't find a photo of him with a crossbar. He's rolling into H1 with with a twin wall on his bike. I'm wondering how long that thing stays on there, and I'm wondering why it ended up there in the first place for a guy who visually, I don't know about you guys, but I, like, it's one of those things where I, I like seeing the crossbar there. Um, the the flex of a of a, a seven eighth handlebar is what I'm used to. Uh, I, I question Kellen like if he if he's moved to this it, 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 to a, to go to the twin wall. I think he he's either it's an aha moment and this is perfect for me, or it's like I don't even know what to do. So I'm just throwing shit at the wall, knowing that his his riding partner uh, in uh, AC Adam Cienciarolo is also on that twin wall after coming off of the uh, Fat Bar 36 from last year. Yeah, I mean, that's really tough because I, I don't know if the bars were much of a problem for him last year. They, you know, they went to the new Fat Bar 36s and those seemed to be totally fine. Like, I, I think right away he felt comfortable on those bars. And I'm just curious if maybe, again, just thinking a little bit too much about setup changes, he, he talked to Adam. Adam said, yeah, I get a little bit more rigidity with the bars. And then Ken goes, oh, I want to try that. Let's see how that feels. And then he just suddenly is used to that feeling but not tinkering with the stuff that really needs to change on the motorcycle you know yeah that that to me like when i saw that in the in the the renthal ad i'm like that was a very surprising move especially because these guys are really sensitive about the way they feel and i know from having twin walls in the past that it provides a very stiff and a very dead feeling in the front end uh through the the obviously you don't get nearly as much vibration through those handlebars um so, uh, Matt, what, what do you think? What's well, interesting, since he was the first winner with the Fat Bar 36. Right. Um, and uh, I'm almost wondering if that's not something to do with that new bike, that new chassis, if, if it changed how everything feels. But uh, I'm going to have to go back and look at some of the ads because apparently I don't pay enough attention to these social media posts to up on the, the bar swap so um, I guess it is it is odd to me especially with the amount of R&D and development that went into that new bar that he would switch and go back to something something that he's never that. even ridden before which is weird like it's one thing to get rid of the fat bar 36 yeah. it's another thing to completely leave the, the, the one and one eighth handlebar altogether very curious move in my opinion we're getting we're we're we're, we're I would say we're going long. I I don't want to take up too much time of uh, Kellen unless he unless he just doesn't want to hang out with his wife this evening. Um, next guy on our list, I'll let you start this one off. Kellen is uh, Adam Cincerulo. He doesn't have a Supercross win to his credit. Uh, he probably should have had a Supercross championship to his credit, if not for a complete meltdown in Vegas. 
Uh, Adam is uh, is rolling in with uh, uh, some a lot of momentum that he, he accrued over the, the summer. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are looking for him to make that next step. But the question to, to you is, is he going to make that next step? I think he makes a step to be a title contender, but I don't believe he makes the step to be a title winner this year. I think he comes out firing. I, I personally believe he is going to win the opener this weekend. Um, he talked a little bit out in those press conferences about, uh, you know, he had a little bit of inflammation in his wrist and he got some scar tissue removed and then realized it was actually a problem in his elbow. So he went and got surgery on a nerve in his elbow and then says, you know, it's feeling way better. Now, what does that mean? Is it going to be a hundred percent or is he going to have arm pump 10 minutes into the, the main event? Really don't know. But speed wise, I think you can pretty easily say that he's, if not the class, one of the classes of the field when it comes to one lap pace. And his starts are really good. It's obviously the confidence coming off Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. I think he comes out firing this weekend, but I still don't think that he carries that momentum all the way through to the end of the season. What like I, I agree. I think that he's going to have uh, some standout rides. I think he's going to have uh, some amazing finishes. I'm a little bit more bullish. I think that not only is he going to win this weekend, I think that he's going to be at least. I think the furthest back in points that I can see him by the end of the season is third, and uh, I think he's going to be a contender. I think he's going to he's going to take this thing right down to the wire and maybe even be your 2021 champion. Um, I think Matt probably thinks I'm like just smoking like marijuana is legal in Canada now, so he probably thinks that I'm deep into the green right now. But uh, I don't know. I'm feeling I'm feeling AC Matt. I don't know uh, if, if you can sway my argument. You probably can't because he's. He's. Uh, I, I like myself some AC, but what are your thoughts? I'm right there with you. Um, yes. He was one of my, my title contenders coming in, um, you know, with, with getting the elbow fixed. And, I mean, we saw how many fast qualifying laps did he put down last year and how many good races did he have. And I, I think that maybe he's got some of those rookie jitters out of the way, some of those mistakes out of the way. And I, I can see him going for multiple race wins and a possible championship. Um, again, like I said, Callan changed my mind, though, on uh, Tomac. So um, regardless of where they finish, I could see those two coming down to the wire with, you know, the, the final race of the year for the championship. I like what I'm hearing. I, I I know like Kellen hates AC, and that's, that's obviously why he 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 makes that his his uh, uh, his analysis, uh, and that's too bad. But uh, yeah, I guess it's two against one, Kellen. Um, like you can't run and hide now. Hey, I, if Cienzo does win the championship this year, I think that that's going to be great for the sport because I I think that he is the next real face of the sport that we're going to need in this coming decade to kind of keep pushing supercross into the limelight and someone with his his attitude his demeanor how much fun he seems to have riding the motorcycle it'd be perfect to have him be our 450 champion and carry the flag for our sport i don't think it happens this year but i do think it happens within the next year or two and it'd be great when it does Welcome to the Shitting on AC podcast featuring Kellen. <laughs> um, but uh, and we'll, we'll continue I, to move I, on. What's that? I got to agree with Kellen, though. He, I think he is the next face of our, our sport. Um, he's outgoing. He's ultra um, 
active on social media and um you know outside of the sport he's got fans and that's you know from other sports you know other 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 things like that so i think he is definitely the face of our our sport coming up um i could see him doing big things like mcgrath and ricky did for our sport so um i do think ac is healthy for our tiny little industry I, I agree. I think he, he's very McGrath-esque in the way that he uh, um, can relate to people. People want to be around him. He's easy to cheer for. Uh, the Nine Machine is, uh, if he has a lot of success, would be very good for motocross. Um, let's talk about the 450 motocross champ from 2020 rolling into the 2021 championship. Probably some momentum drafting off of that summer. That was awesome. The 16 machine uh, is gonna be on the, basically the exact same product that he was on from last year. And we know that he's, he's in the past has been known to literally just leave the bike the way it is. Don't get too crazy about the, the testing. If it's good, don't, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Zach Osborne will be uh, nipping at the heels uh, of the guys that we were talking about so far. Uh, and, and making his own stake for some possible wins in uh, in 2021. Um, Matt, I ask you this, is, is Zach Osborne a, a bona fide championship contender in this series? Multiple wins, I'm talking three or four wins during the season and, uh, and, and challenging for it? Or is he more gonna be the thorn in the side of these championship contenders? Maybe uh, playing spoiler a little bit, being tough to pass, but not ultimately a championship contender when all, all is said and done. I I guess this is going to turn into the, the shit on Zach Osborne podcast because I don't see him being that title contender for Supercross. So yes, he would be the thorn in the side of some of those uh, title contenders. Um, I'm saving all the Zach hype for the outdoors. Okay. Kellen, um, that, I, I, it hurts me to hear that from uh, my good friend Matt, but I, I, I'm sort of in agreement. Uh, I think that um, there's just there's only so many guys that can rattle off wins, and I, I think that uh, if if things if, if Zach has a couple of bad rounds, I think he has a really hard time bouncing back from that. Yeah, I, I would agree with you guys. Honestly, I think that he he can be a race winner this year. I don't consider him to be a bona fide title threat as you mentioned definitely a thorn in the side i think he's a guy that he's going to start well and kind of make things difficult particularly for someone who doesn't start well like tomac when he comes through the field osborne obviously kind of ran circles around tomac a few times this uh summer so i i think he knows how to race him but if we do look to the summer you didn't have webb out there you didn't have roxton you didn't have anderson and muskan who we'll talk about and stuff like that and osborne kind of just had to really deal with the cowie guys and then you know baggett and a couple other people that were uh, getting feisty in there but I think the more competition that is on the track the less that you look at Osborne as the clear guy that can go challenge all these guys um, can he prove us wrong absolutely but I don't personally see it happening yeah for me like I, Zach would have to leapfrog a, a lot of guys to all of a sudden become the guy and I not, and, that, and that's not something that aside from this summer and outdoors, which we're mi we were missing a lot of talented dudes in both uh, uh, Anderson and Webb and uh, Roxon are, are guys that he's going to have to beat in Supercross consistently. He hasn't shown me that yet. 
and, and that's that, that, that's true about some guys who have won outdoor championships in the past that never ended up getting uh, a Supercross championship, but were still threats. Guys like Doug Henry, guys like um, uh, what's his name there, uh, Greg Albertine. Uh, and same thing with, like, he didn't win a championship, but similar to even a Sebastian Tortelli. Like, just super cross, not exactly their absolute forte, and they didn't shine the brightest uh, under the under the, the lights of Supercross. So, yet to be seen, but I think that he certainly adds a wrinkle and definitely going to be a thorn in the side of some championship contenders. Now it's time to talk about uh, your one, one of the red plates that's at least going to be there for press day on Friday. Uh, the 51 machine... Uh, we're, we're talking about yet another OEM under out there. It's unbelievable uh, uh, how many we have out there now. The Gas Gas TLD, Red Bull Racing. Uh, he won Anaheim 1. That didn't exactly happen this last Saturday. You guys can weigh on, on that whether or not you thought it was cool. Um, I think it was uh, kind of cool. I, I, like At the very least, it was impressive editing by the by uh, Wes Williams and all of his buddies. Uh but uh, what can we expect from Justin Barsha aside from some un unreal rides, uh, probably a fist fight with Dylan Ferrandis, and uh, and likely some some really strong uh, finishes, especially at the beginning of the year, Kellen. Yeah, well, what you just brought up there with the the fist fights with Dylan Ferrandis and stuff like that, I that think will happen. all the talent, all the talent that's going to be on the line this year, Barsha is going to oddly become like this weird 450 class enforcer, I think, where a lot of the young guys are going to start trying to fight with him and throw him around, and he is going to lay them on the ground very quickly in return. And in a way, I feel like that's going to hurt him because he's not going to be focusing on racing forward as much as he's trying to weasel his way through a lot of these guys. Um, I do think that he has plenty of potential to make this gas gas thing great, but I'm seeing many people compare it to like, oh, remember when Webb was on that garbage Yamaha? He got on a steel frame, and now he was fantastic. It's like we've seen Justin Barsha since 2013 in the 450 class. He's kind of made his bed. He's not going to change his spots, you know? though. Like We're yeah. talking about, like, yeah, he's a top-end talent. That's why he still has a factory ride. But I don't mm -hmm. think you don't see a lot of guys go from, like, one of the guys to the guy. Um, especially because, for the most part, he's been, like, that 6th, 7th, 8th most of the time and, and you pile up like a, like three sevenths in a row or go like six five seven uh for for three weeks and all of a sudden the guys who are at the front of the pack they just put 40 points on you real quick and this year those types of things are going to happen and justin barsha cannot recover from those types of things he doesn't have that x factor i'm going to rattle off four wins in a row to to put myself back in the championship sort of thing matt Exactly. Yeah. I I was thinking this year was going to be Barsha's year. Um, the new bike. Tell me why. From what I can see, the test track, he looks very, very smooth. I I could see this weekend being, you know, his 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 three peat, four peat. What is it? Come in and win the opening round. Um, I'm I'm cheering for him, and I'm I'm all in on Bam Bam this year. Um, in the past, I've kind of been known to not be a big fan, but I'm I like what I see of the new bike, and he's he's been wanting to be on the Australian or the Austrian bike for how many years? 
and he's finally there, and I think it's the perfect fit for him. Yeah, well, honestly, I, I think that, like, from people that have told me, he's, he's been able to do things on the bike that he wasn't able to do on the Yamaha, uh, that he was able to do on the Honda, like, literally techniques that just weren't possible with the, with the, the Yamaha. Uh, that could be a lot of talk. Uh, I also uh, heard about a, a test track situation where he wasn't even the fastest guy there. Um, so, like, I, I don't think that's, that uh, Justin Barsha is going to be the fastest Austrian-backed rider, OEM, uh, Austrian OEM-backed rider, and that's why I don't have him as a as a title threat for this championship. I think that he's gonna he's gonna be behind Zach Osborne. I think he's gonna be behind Cooper Webb, and until he basically makes himself uh, uh, to rule the roost of the Austrian brands, I don't think I can consider him for a championship. He might make me eat my words and be sitting here on Saturday night after the race doing my, my race review and, and completely uh, bowing down to the guy. I'll eat some crow, but until then, uh, he's uh, he's sixth or uh, he's around the sixth place spot for me. Uh, and honestly, the same thing can be said about Jason Anderson. Uh, a lot of people are t- t- saying like, "Oh yeah, Jason's been uh, he's been quiet about his work. He's 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 uh, like he 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 works hard in the off season. He's flying at the test track." He looks good. Watch out. He's he's got this. Uh, he's got a little bit of more of a, uh, a snarl to him. He's got he's a more focused guy. But the reality is, the 2019, uh, actually the 2018 Supercross champ hasn't won a race since. Uh, and actually, for the most part, like aside from a couple of really solid rides, he kind of he's kind of fallen off the map altogether in terms of having really strong finishes and and, uh, and being kind of in the. Um, the, the talk about a championship inside and out Kellen does that hurt his uh his stock rolling in uh maybe that's more about to the fans than it is to himself because I don't think uh Anderson really cares what anyone else thinks that's pretty indicative of how he, <laughs> he handles himself yeah I think there's there's two sides of the coin to look at with them uh one that worries me the most is the Baker hangover if you will like he's pretty much gone about a year now without Alden Baker and you know he's kind of doing his own program and stuff like that so does that mean that he's going to be perfectly fine and do his own thing absolutely it could mean that but it also means that he's not in the same program that led him to a championship in 2018 so that looseness and that free flow feeling that he has it it might be a blessing in disguise for him where in 2018 he didn't come in as the guy or the expected guy whatsoever but he won the championship maybe that pressure being off his shoulders you know a few few years removed he's clearly not looked at as a title contender this year in a lot of people's eyes maybe he flies in way under the radar and surprises a lot of people again this year or maybe he flops because he's not in the same physical uh you know zone that he was with the alden baker program i can't see him being uh as physically fit and as much of a specimen now as as he was with Alden I think that's like as much as maybe it wasn't for him maybe not being a championship contender was for him as far as uh what what he's able to and willing to lay on the line to be uh a championship contender maybe I'm totally wrong but Matt I just I think that um after leaving Alden's he's certainly taken a step back as far as his ability to uh, to run up front be consistent and uh, and not have a little bit of a late race fade um i i could totally see that um i mean he's always been on his own type of program it seems and until until i see something this weekend i just i don't know how to feel about him 
mean, he could be a, a, a three, four, five place guy, or he could be a, you know, 10, 11, 12 guy. So it's really just going to see how his offseason treated him, I guess. Fair enough. Well, yeah, honestly, like, like I said about uh, Barsha, he could completely prove me wrong, but I'm going to need to see it. I'm going to have to see it multiple weeks. Now, Boys, this is the fun part of the podcast where we get to start talking about the, the Marvin Moosecans of the world, the Chase Sexons of the world, and uh, guys like Malcolm Stewart and Dylan Ferrandis. But reality is, we're about to start, talk about uh, our 8th, ninth, and 10th riders. Uh, and when you start talking about a guy like Marvin Muscan and, and relating that to the 8th place spot, um, Kellen, does that not in and of itself... Um, speak volumes as to the depth and quality of the riders here. Literally, the only guy that we're going to talk about that we've talked about so far that doesn't have at least one Supercross championship, even in the 250 class, is uh, is Adam Cincerello. And we're talking about him possibly being a championship contender. This is a wild championship. Tell me about Marv. Yeah, it, it definitely speaks to the volumes of the depth, no question about it. But Marvin is a guy that. I have been very angry with a lot of people about because I cannot understand at all why he was ranked 10th in power rankings on Supercross, and so many people are putting him. And, and this isn't specifically to you. Putting I heard him you wrote those like rankings. That. A lot of people. No, I did not write. I those heard rankings. you. I, I I heard from a very quality source that you wrote those rankings and that that you have it out for Marvin. No, absolutely <laughs> not. In fact. I have been trying to fight the battle for Marv because I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Marv I know he missed a year. I get Conductor it. I Kellen. get the knee injury. I get it. I get it. But from 2017 to 2019, you could make a very good case. He was the second best Supercross rider in the world. He finished third, second, third in the championship. If you just go by the races that he was competing in, it's only been six Supercrosses since he won a main event in Seattle. And I... I I can't put him tenth. I can't put him eighth. I feel like he belongs. Does he belong in, in front of? Uh, does he? Does he? In, uh, does he belong in front of Zach in the five spot? I personally believe he definitely deser- deserves some discussion about being in there. Like you know, he's won eight races. Yeah. I again, I get the knee injury, but he came back. He won the fifth moto of the year outdoors. He beat Eli Tomac straight up. Like he knows how to run with these guys. And indoors, he's the crappy Frenchman. He's going to find weird lines and different things that work that these guys won't be able to figure out. And I, I absolutely think that he can come right back to the race-winning speed that he had. So to put Cianciolo, Osborne, Barsha even, like, ahead of him, it's so weird because we're talking about a bunch of guys that haven't really existed in terms of a championship fight for the past three or four years when Marvin has. And, you know, Cianciolo hasn't even won a race and we're still putting him up there, you know, for good reason. But it's still crazy to me how low we're putting Marvin in respect to everything that's around him, you know. Hey, I'll say this. A lot of people will tell you that Marvin Muscan is a bit of a shrinking violet, mainly because he's French. And secondly, because he's uh, he basically has the body type of a stick figure. But you don't get to, ri- to win eight Supercross races and a Supercross championship in the 250s without being a fucking badass an absolute bad dude on two wheels super aggressive throwing the bike around and doing some really special things on two wheels matt i know you're you're in agreement i think kellen might fight me because i kind of feel like marvin's on his way out and uh he's not going to Please be don't a hang up, or, or a top five rider even i i, I smell a bet 
<laughs> I feel like I'm going to be betting everybody at this point because I, I really do feel like I've been fighting a battle uh, for Marvin and Marvin only because there's so many people that are writing him off. I personally believe he still has a year or two good left in him. He may retire at the end of this year. I, we, we've heard about the Moreau thing, scaring him and everything that that family had to deal with. And obviously his brother Mika also had some problems back in France. And so he probably is looking at it a little bit of like, maybe I just want to get out of my career healthy. He probably made a lot of money. He did really well for himself. But yeah, I still think that life. once the gate drops, yeah, once the gate drops, he's got that helmet on. It seems like the same Marv can come back at any point in time. And I just don't see it completely disappearing this year. I, I, I Don't I, get me wrong. Marvin's a bad dude. But there's so many other guys in the series. And yeah. I, just like you said, with Monroe being in his head and his, his brother, like there's, there's a lot going against him, age, injuries. I just I, – I don't see him being that guy this year. I, I think he's going to make his money and he's going to ride off into the sunset. Fair enough. Well, uh, time will tell, but that could be said about every single one of these spots on the on the chart. Next guy I want to talk about is what I think is going to be the 2021 uh, 450 class rookie of the year. Some people say that it's Dylan Ferrandis uh, coming in with a with an injury. I don't like it, um, but also uh, being on a brand new bike. Uh, obviously, it's a brand new bike because he's a 450 rookie, but uh, all new all new bike for uh, for 2021. With the Honda, it's said to be better, but uh, guys can get lost in testing. They're not going to have time to change things between races and uh, a full schedule and races back to back to back to back to back to back to back, like we've never seen before. These guys are going to do eight rounds in the first nine week, no, in the first five weeks of the season, which is like absolutely bonkers. Uh, I think this season's really going to test Chase Sexton, but I think that he's also going into it uh, with not a lot of pressure on him. He's got uh, the ability to sort of, uh, I wouldn't say sit back, but uh, probably the, guy, the rest of the guys on the team are saying, hey, like Ken's our number one guy, learn 450 Supercross, uh, work with Stu, jump the quads, and, and, and we'll, uh, we'll come back and, and uh, be a little bit more serious about things in 2022. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm like just out to lunch on that, but uh, that's where I kind of sl uh, slot him in. Uh, Callan, I think that he's going to be the, the 450 Rookie of the Year, but I don't see him any any closer up than about ninth or 10th in points. Yeah, I think he'll be 450 the Rookie of the Year, but I think it'll it'll be kind of happenstance because I think Brandis is coming, you know, coming into the opener behind the eight ball so much with the injury that it's going to take him a while to get up to speed. And I believe Brandis, given his age, given his experience over time and stuff like that. Uh, is going to hit his peak on a 450 faster than Sexton will, but I think Sexton's going to gradually build his way up to being right with AC and Cooper and all these guys when the Tomac and the Roxton and the Muskans and all of that of the world retire, that Sexton's going to be right there as a guy that we're going to count on two or three years down the road as a consistent title threat in the 450 class. I don't see it happening this year, but definitely, like you said, uh, just consistent rides. Try to get it through the season. Don't worry too much about running up front or anything like that. We got Kenny. He's our lead guy. Just do your own thing. Put the motos in and leave the season healthy. Matt, are you just going to be the contrarian guy and tell Kellen why he's wrong now? <laughs> no, I'm. I'm sitting here trying to think. I mean, he he's right. He's spot on. 
Um, rookie of the year, for sure. He's already got the experience on the 450. So I definitely think he's going to be ahead of Dylan. Um, we, we've seen how those 450 Yamahas treat these guys. So I, I don't see Dylan having the rookie year that he's going to want to have. So, yeah, I'm, I'm rookie of the year for uh, Chase. And I, I, could, I could still see Chase sneaking in a win here or there. But, um, yeah, I think season ending, you're, you're right on where he's going to be. I don't see him winning. I like, I I don't think that he has the same top end talent and, and just raw speed as AC. And AC didn't win a race last year. Obviously, race AC had he missed a lot of races with with injuries. But um, we've seen a lot of top flight uh, uh, 250 guys, even guys like Ryan Villapoto, and barely get their first win in their first year. Uh, it, we all can't be like Ryan Dungey who uh, who raced to a championship, same as McGrath in 2000 and, uh, 2010. But uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I think Sexton's going to have some really solid rides. I think he's going to be up there and qualifying a few times. But I also think that he's going to be, uh, he's going to spend the year, him and that, two, that 2021 uh, Honda have to kind of sit down and have a chat about uh, how they're going to work, work, work with each other uh, rather than against each other. And I think you're totally right about Dylan. Uh, that... That 450 in Supercross, it's basically unproven. We haven't seen anybody advance their career by going to that bike. Um, pretty much ever since it uh, it switched in 2010, like that backwards engine just hasn't worked on a 450 in Supercross. Uh, the only guy I can think of that's won on it was Stu, and it's Stu, so it doesn't even count. Um, and uh, like honestly, if I I could pose this question to you guys, uh, if if I'm Dylan Ferrandis going into my 450 rookie season and I have an offer from uh, from a chromoly framed gas gas machine, same money to either go there or stay on Star Racing, where are you guys going? I'll go. I'll start with Callum. I would have went gas gas if I were him. I like it. I like I like the honesty, Matt. I would have totally went with gas gas myself. It, it it's like I obviously I talked to to Jeremy Coker over at the uh, Star Racing team. They they think they've really got something with their their bike. And if you listen to Aaron Plessinger uh, last week or last night, he's on the uh, press conference. He's really confident. He's on pulp. He's super confident. Feeling he said as confident as he was coming off of his two championships in the two fifties. Uh, which is great to hear because Lord knows that Aaron has been uh, uh, kind of up against it over the last couple of years. But the reality is we're, we haven't even talked about Aaron yet on the podcast. And we're, we're dipping our toes into the back half of the top 10 and maybe outside the top 10 already. Um, I think if anybody's going to prove that that, uh, uh, that that Yamaha has what it takes to run up front, it's one of the next two guys we're going to talk about. And that's Dylan Ferrandez. Who's making his rookie debut coming in with a little bit of injury as well as uh, a Malcolm Stewart who maybe has the best support that he's had I think the step that you could say is his best support that he's had since uh, making it onto the into the 450 ranks after uh, winning his championship heck was that 2016 so that's five years ago already holy crap four years ago already Malcolm Stewart on the uh, um, on the star racing Yamaha 
Uh, Matt, I have him uh, at the book ending end of my uh, of my top ten. I think that he's still going to have some great rides, but with so much talent in the class, I can't put him any higher than that. I've got Mookie Fever. I've had Mookie Fever for years, but I, I have to agree, the bike will make him better, but he's still going to have those inconsistent rides that's going to haunt him. So, um, Damn. you know, he's going to be that so I'm going to say 10, 12, 13 spot by season end. And, you know, that that's nothing against him. It's just, it's a stacked field. And I mean, that's just the reality of it. Kellen, is there any way that the, the Yamaha 450 new team, like, like just sort of like a, a, kind of a new lease on life sort of thing. It's a full factory team, basically factory Yamaha where, uh, where his brother was at at one point. Um, it's a really, really professional effort. Not to say MCR wasn't, but I, I, I do think this is a step up team-wise. That uh, that this is something that kind of pulls a trigger for Malcolm, or are we going to see more of the same? It's really tough because if you go back to what you know, him coming on to Moto Concepts in the first place, he he had come from basically the Suzuki platform. He was on Motorsport Suzuki, and then he went to JGR and stuff like that. Right, and it seemed pretty obvious that Honda was his preferred choice. He rode a Honda uh, at his own facility. He was just riding a, a regular test bike. He went to what, you know Geneva and France and stuff like that and uh, rode a Honda there and then signed the Moto Concepts to ride a Honda for the two years that he did. And I think that it was because he had so much more comfortability on the Honda than any other platform. I don't remember a time that I can think of that he even stepped foot on a Yamaha. Maybe he did ride his brother's Yamaha's way back when or i know james probably a pw a at some point bikes. yeah so i'm sure that he's, he's felt it and know what it feels like and i don't think he would go into this situation and sign this contract if he, he wasn't really sure that this is something that he could make work but i do think that the bike is a little bit more of a hitch than we're leading on to be in, in a sense because i think that he had a, a platform with the honda and, and the team that he was with where there was so little pressure and he could just do his own thing, ride to the ability that he had, you know, take the lessons from his dad and whatever. And, and I don't feel that this team and the environment is going to provide that same opportunity just because there's so many guys, so much bustle and, and hustle going on around yeah. that team. And he's kind of expected to be like the team leader now because he's got a rookie and a guy that's coming off of back-to-back years of injuries behind him. And he was the top 450 guy that, if you look at that team, he was the top 450 guy entering this team from last year. Yeah, you're totally right, and it's like uh, I think of Malcolm Stewart, and I I struggle to see him really establishing himself as somebody who's going to uh, like basically flip a switch and go from not consistently challenging uh, the guys at the front of the pack to to basically being right up there with them, uh, especially ch- changing bikes. And I'll, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but in the first eight days of the series, we've got three rounds. Typically, after the first round, a lot of guys, they lose their minds, they go change some things about their bike, and they, they have a much improved package by the third round of the series, which is three weeks into the race season. Uh, eight days in is not enough time to make any improvements on the motorcycle. You're not even going to be time to probably any time to ride. Uh, so that's really going to uh, have guys like Malcolm uh, behind the eight ball. And I can think I can say the same thing about Dylan. I have him in the 11th spot. 
Uh, now we start to talk about some guys that are sort of interchangeable, and that's why I'm going to sort of like put a blanket over them, and I'm going to let you guys put them in an order at which you think that they're going to fit. Let's go with Joey Savacci, Aaron Plessinger, Max Anstey, Martin Davalos, and Dean Wilson. That's five guys. And Kellen, I want you guys, I want you to put them in the order that I think that you think that they're going to end up. I just gave you my order, starting with Joey through Aaron, Max, Martin, and Dean. Where do you see them fitting in? I would put Martin at the top of that list personally, and then Dean probably really close behind him, and then pretty much the exact order you have after that: Savachi, Plessinger, Anstey to round it out. I would maybe even slide Anstey a little bit further back. I'm a big GP guy, but it's just so much time away to jump right in feet first into this 450 class uh, in Supercross and contend with what we're considering to be one of the deeper fields ever. Uh, I think that he could easily slide down into this other group that you have below. So um, I would put him at the back, and I would put uh, Marty at the front of that group. Marty's at the front of that group for you. Uh, I have him somewhere on the 15th spot. Um, you may, apparently, you see more speed in him than, than I do, although he's he's never lacked speed. He's lacked consistency. And and, and at the early portion of last year, last season, uh, you saw a lot of 22nd place rides from, uh, from Martin because he'd have a crash or he'd have an issue during the main event, and that really held him back of being uh, someone that really had something to say about how these, these races played out. Matt, uh, do you do you have any uh, like a, a differing opinion uh, going from Joey to Aaron, Max, Martin, and Dean? Yes and no. I could see Joey edging those guys out, but between him and Marty, those those two will be pretty consistent. Um, when it comes around to your three rounds at Atlanta, since it's going to be outdoor. I could see Anstey um, shining through those three rounds, which could give him the, that edge. Um, but I, I, I think I have to agree with with your your order there, just putting um, Marty and Joey at the front of it. Fair enough. Like, uh, like, like it's it's hard to think that uh, the the highest placing Suzuki is going to be outside the top fifteen. But guys, like, there's just so much talent, and uh, and right now, um, Suzuki as a manufacturer doesn't have that uh, that headline guy, the, the guy that belongs on the marquee, belongs on the posters, and I don't know when that changes because Lord knows that it's been it was less than half a decade ago. In the 2016 championship, Suzuki stood on the top of what I would consider to be the greatest championship in uh, in all of motocross, that being the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross AMA Championship with Ken Roxon uh, winning that championship. The bike isn't totally different than it was then. Obviously, some, some uh, cosmetic changes and, uh, and a couple of things here and there, but it was still a potent bike then. It's still a potent bike now, but they don't quite have um, that top flight talent. And, and being the fact that their their team is sort of led by either a, a, a 450 rookie in a guy that I like he, he's never raced a 450 main event uh, in Brennan Hartraft um, who he had, had some podium rides or you have Max Anstey who's also never raced a 450 main event so those are their there's that's their one and two guy Kellen and, and to me that's uh, if, if I'm Suzuki I'm I'm kind of rolling in with 
holding my breath a little bit as to see uh, how far back uh, that manufacturer is going to be on a week-to-week basis uh, with just so much talent on the other brands uh, to compete with. Yeah, and you actually, you didn't hear this from me, but we got a report earlier today that Anthony crashed in testing, so he may not even be on the line at Houston, and that means that Suzuki even falls further down the order. Oh, there's not going to be a Suzuki in the main event. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> I'm going to say no. it right now, because it, it, if if Hartraff doesn't make it in, and I have him slated in 22nd right now, and he could easily get beat by Chiz, He'd easily get beat by Norin. Ugh. But he could easily beat Marty and Plessinger. I guess. Um, he, he does have speed. I, I, I got, that's what that's why we race these races, but it'll be interesting. But also you have to think about Guy. Like We, we haven't talked about uh, Justin Brayton yet. We haven't talked about uh, Justin Bogle, Brock Tickle, Benny Bloss. Justin Hill's going to show up on a Mun Racing Husqvarna, I think. Um, where are those guys going to sli- sli- slide in? We haven't talked about Vince Freezy at, at all as well, and those are crafty veterans that don't like to make main, uh, don't like to miss main events, Colin. Yeah, I, I, it's honestly kind of funny because I wrote a list very similar to yours where I was trying to kind of predict who was going to even make the main event, and I had basically the exact same seventeen to twenty four as you did. Um, which is so weird to put Brayton like 18th or 19th because you just kind of think of him as a top 10 guy. Yeah. But here he is, and, and you kind of can't think of a good reason why he would be above 18th. And then you got, you know, Tickle, uh, Bogle, Hill, all these guys back here that are 250 Supercross champions. And, and again, we're kind of like, I don't know. They might not make the main event. There's not really a good reason, yes or no, that they could go straight in out of a heat race or even if it's a stacked LCQ that they can make it into the top four. It's just, again, showing how deep this field is, and I think these guys are going to have an uphill battle until a little bit more attrition comes into play. I'll ask you this, Matt. Was the worst thing that could possibly have happened to Justin Bogle's career be that uh, Martin Davalos busted his wrists at uh, the, the Cowie track on a, on a broken chain, and then he ended up winning the Supercross Championship? Uh, had to go straight to the 450s and uh, essentially put him behind the eight ball to immediately start to pr- produce, which he wasn't able to, battled some injuries, and now he finds himself with a pretty damn good ride, but uh, 20th spot's not going to keep it. No, I'm really surprised he didn't cash it in after last season. Um, he's had a series of major injuries, especially with the concussions. Um I, I like Bogle. He's a good guy. He's a good rider on and off the track. I I hate to see him back there in that twentieth position, but I I gotta I gotta agree. I mean he's he's not uh, he's not the Justin Bogle he was five six seven years ago. So um, unfortunately, I think this is going to be the last we see of him. And you know that twentieth position right there is about where I see him finishing the season. What, what do you think there, Kellen? Like, 20th yeah, spot, that, that sucks. Like, obviously, there's going to be injuries. It does. They're going to yeah. move forward. But I don't want the reason why there's injury. like, the reason for that he moves forward to be injuries. Like, I, I, I struggle to think mm-hmm. that uh, Justin Bogle or Benny Bloss or any of these guys are going to be happy being anywhere near the 20th spot. But like you said, 
um, it's really difficult to, to make an argument as to why they should be uh, up with the, the Davaloses, the Wilsons, the Freezies of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Bogle, it's interesting because he, in a way, kind of got a mulligan again this offseason just that fell out of the sky because he was actually in a fight with, uh, I believe, McElrath and Savachi to get the second spot on Rocky Mountain ATVMC KTM. And with this whole Baggett situation and whatever is going on there, they lawyers you know lose Baggett and and then yeah so suddenly Bogle just kind of has a ride just because they need two riders and they didn't want to kick him to the curb to take Savachi and it sounded like they were already going to pick him over Savachi anyway but you know it's getting to the point in his career where you're right it's kind of crazy that with everything he's gone through the last couple of years the injuries he's gone through the concussions and stuff like that. I don't see he makes it past this year or at max next year before he's he's hitting retirement and moving on. Definitely. Um, one guy that's been super quiet, We probably none of us really have too much analysis to really say uh, about a guy like Justin Hill because he's put one, one uh, post out that he's even on Husk, uh, Husqvarna's. Uh, it's to my knowledge that he's showing up on a Mun Racing uh, Husky and uh, but he's got a Supercross championship to his belt. He's won uh, won a heat race on a 450. Um, he's also bounced around from team to team, like he's uh, like he, there's something going on there. Uh, but you can't argue with the talent. The pure talent that this guy has says that he's going to be higher than the 23rd spot that I have him in my my rankings rolling into the season. Um, but I'll ask you this to the both of you. If Justin Hill shows up, privateer effort, with his head screwed on even 90% straight and, and, and with a, a half-decent motorcycle underneath him that handles pretty good, um, is he a main event guy? Starting with Kellen? I think he's a main event guy, but I just don't see him being much more than a 15th, 16th place guy max. I just think that even if his head is screwed on straight and he's motivated and stuff like that, the he's kind of becoming a little bit over the hill from himself just because he's spent all these years kind of floundering around and not figuring out the 450 class at this point. Was that and a pun? He only <laughs> a little bit. Um, but you know, it, it, it seems like he's not very motivated right now because apparently he had an offer on the table and then just refused to show up to the track and accept the offer. And, and then is not bringing his bikes and back up in Oregon with his brother. Yeah. It, there's so many, weird things going on with him that it just doesn't seem like that there is a reason why his head would be screwed on straight enough to show up and be competitive right away so personally speaking no I don't think he makes the main event this week if he shows up wow supercross champion in the 250 class within the last few years like it's not it's 2017 I believe he got that championship 16 16 17 17? Yeah, 17 West. 17 West. Like, we're not even talking that long ago. Pro circuit ride, awesome. Like, he's, he's lights out. We, everyone Everyone's a big fan of everything he does on two wheels. And just now, just a huge fall from grace. Uh, Matt, I'll let you weigh in on this. Um, I don't have a lot of hope for, uh, for Hill. Maybe you do. Probably not, though. No, I was really hoping he'd just pick up the guitar in the off season and um, write some songs because I don't 
see this season going well for him, and um, I don't see him making every main event. No, I, I certainly don't. And I, I think that um, not being fully prepared and having that level of talent, but also not having the bike to back it up, is actually a recipe for disaster when he wants to push that motorcycle and then that leads to issues. Can that, like you, you can speak to this, Kellen. A lot of those guys, if they don't have the uh, the back, the bike underneath them, they still feel like they're Superman. They go to try something and then it, they end up on their head. That can be a dangerous scenario. Yeah, and if their head isn't in it, like we think Hill's head might not be in it, and he shows up to the track and he's trying to do stuff that maybe his head isn't mentally prepared for, it doesn't matter what the bike is, even if it's the best bike in the world. If his head's not there and he's trying to quad something or triple something out of a corner or something like that, it's a recipe for car wheeling down the, the rhythm lane. No, I definitely think, think so. But the reality is we're talking about the 23rd uh, ranked guy on my uh, my list. I think Heart Wrapped is a, a stronger contender to him. Guys behind him, uh, I, I sort of have guys like Norin, Chisholm, Harlan Gardner, who always seems to find his way uh, to have good rides, he's a good starter, so he has he he'll qualify okay, and then he gets a good uh, a, a good ride in the heat race. Usually, either gets in in the ninth spot or at least has a good pick for the LCQ. I like him in those as well. Um, I think it's going to be a long year for guys like Adam Entiknap, uh, Alex Ray, Justin Rodbell, Justin Starling, Jeremy Hand, even Nick Schmidt, the uh, the, the the not so milestone assassin, like. These guys are going to be battling in the LCQ week after week, and uh, I, a lot of the, uh, more often than not, I think a lot of those guys, like Adam and Alex and Justin uh, Rod Bell and even uh, Starling, they're going to be on the outside looking in more often than not. Uh, maybe you guys disagree. I'll start with Matt, but honestly, I think these guys are going to have a long, a long winter ahead of them. I I agree with you one hundred percent. Justin Rod Bell, I could see him being. That um, that front runner of that twenty uh, second to thirtieth position there, um, he's going to make I think the majority of the main events over the guys in front of him, and um, I I just I mean he he proved last season he he's good on that bike he gels with that team um, he's just an overall pretty standout guy and um, I. I, I think that he's gonna he's gonna be the benefactor of some bad races from A Ray and Seven Deuce Deuce and Gardner, um, but then you got to worry about Chisholm. I mean, Chisholm's gonna make his way into the main event no matter what. So um, you're gonna have some interesting LCQs with Rod Bell and A Ray and Chisholm. I have a feeling. What do you think, Kellen? Like, uh, this is sort of the uh, the real toss-up. These guys are obviously they're all consummate professionals. They they have a, a, a dedicated program, especially a guy like Adam Entiknap, who's on the Hep Suzuki team. Uh, but more often than not, you're watching the LCQ, and Adam comes around in ninth on the first lap of the LCQ, and those races are too short. Um, and not I love Adam, but he doesn't have enough talent to move up five positions in the course of uh, four laps. No, and I, I think with a lot of these guys, they're unfortunately kind of hoping the injury bug starts biting through the top 15 pretty quickly uh, to kind of you know help them make the names that they already are by making main events. Uh, these guys are going to need to leapfrog a lot of people to con you know consistently make main events, and I think someone like Chiz 
like Matt mentioned, is, is a guy that he just somehow ends up in eighth in every heat race and makes the main event. So I could see him, sne- you know, sneaking his way into a lot of mains. But yeah, you, you look at the Norin, Gardner, Enticknap, Ray, Rod Bell, Starling group, I think that they're going to be those guys that are just dog fighting for fourth in the LCQ every other week. And uh, until that attrition picks up, that's that's kind of where they're going to live. Yeah, and, and and this is a field that we're like Kyle Cunningham for all intents and purposes, I I believe has uh, rode off into the sunny sunset. Uh, he scored a lot of points last year for Hep. He's not back. Uh, Ryan Brees, who was also on that team, uh, is uh, is dealing with a knee injury. He's not racing anything right now. He's in full rehab mode. Um, even with those guys out. Uh, it's going to be stacked up against him. Uh, they'll benefit from maybe not having Anstey at the first few rounds. Same thing with Nakorath. But uh, when those guys are injected into the series, it's going to be that much more difficult. Uh, but who do you think out of those guys has the most raw speed? Guys who maybe they put themselves in the main event by having an, uh, a really fast qualifying time, which sets them up to have a decent, decent heat race uh, and then make it through. Kellen, like, who do you think out of those guys could just lay it down if they need to have a lap? Uh, that's really tough because I think all those guys, what they really just live off of is being super consistent, just doing the same consistent sort of slow laps over and over again. Uh, I'm going to jump way off the wall here because he does it outdoors all the time. But Jeremy Smith, who you have 31st there, is a guy that suddenly ends up P14 in the times, and you're like, where the heck did that come from? Oh, yeah. Now you he's a little unproven in Supercross. You lose your mind an hour later. Exactly, right. So he's a little unproven in Supercross, uh, and moving up to the 450s is uh, another thing that he's going to have to kind of jump a hurdle on. But I think talent-wise, he's a guy that just out of nowhere will light up the, the boards and be qualifying, and you'll be like, holy smokes, he's a second faster than anybody, and he's P16 overall. Uh, but yeah, I think racecraft wise, he's going to be behind a lot of these guys when the gate drops. Yeah, plus he usually gets dog shit starts. What about Justin Starling, Matt? What about Justin Starling, who's spending his full first full year in the 450 class on a 450? He's one of the only guys that I can think of who actually has made a main event in the 450 class on a 250F. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, he he could be one of those. Main or um, LCQ winners every like weekend. Like a bubble guy. Just yeah, just sneaking in there. Um, he's just that good, especially for him making, you know, making it in on two fifty before. Um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, different bike, more power. It's going to be more tiring. We'll see how his fitness plays out. But um, yeah, I could definitely see him sneaking in. You know that that. Uh, bottom 20 21 22 every weekend fair enough boys well i think that's pretty much wraps it um we we've t- we've talked for a longer than we expected to uh kellen's girlfriend or white or he's definitely wife is like staring at him right now being like yo get off the phone <laughs> uh we gotta go to bed uh same thing with uh uh matt's uh matt's getting just as tired as i am the fact that it's uh it's 10 to 11 at night here on the central time uh but boys we can't i can't let you either one of you off the phone without giving our championship predictions i want a top three and then i want a a a hot take i want to i want an unexpected like like 
and I'll give you an example when I throw down mine, but I want I want a hot take from you guys uh, as a bit of a wild card, similar to how they run the uh, the R uh, M A T V M C uh, uh, fantasy. I'm gonna say your championship is gonna come down to I'm giving the championship to Adam C and Cirillo. I'm uh, maybe like I could be completely wrong here, but I'm giving it to Adam. I got all the all the faith in the world in the guy, especially if his 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 hand isn't going numb in the later stages of the races. I think if that's an X factor for him, he's got more speed and more raw ability than pretty much anybody else in the class. I think that he takes home his first championship and multiple uh, tons of race wins here in 2021. I think he's followed closely by Cooper Webb and routing out the podium in points. I believe is going to be Eli Tomac after a very frustrating season for him as he watches his teammate uh, rip the title away from him and the uh, the number one plate moves over in uh, the Kawasaki stalls. My hot take is that Marvin Muscan, without missing many races, finishes outside the top five in points. Kellen, you start. All right. My hot take is going to be the opposite direction of that, obviously, but my championship pick, uh, I'm going to go Tomac number one. I got Webb second, and I have AC third. And I think Kenny struggles a lot this year, and Osborne doesn't rise to the championship level that he was outdoors. And I believe Marvin Muscan finishes fourth in the standings and surprises a lot of people who had written him off. Okay, so you think he's top five. I think he's not top five in points. Let's do, uh, let's do a gentleman's bet, $1 on, uh, on Marvin Muscan as a top five guy. I say yes, you say no. Or I say no, you say yes. Perfect. I'm in. One dollar. And that's worth more to me in Canadian. Um, Matt, go (laughs) ahead. Uh, My podium is going to be Tomac, Barsha, AC. And... uh, What? Never mind, never mind. You're fine, you're fine. Go ahead. Um... I'm going to go with Chase Sexton is going to be the big winner on this, and he's going to round out the top five. Chase Sexton, top five in the championship points. That would be a rookie season and a half from him. That also probably means that he has at least one uh, race win under his belt by the end of the season. Uh, Boys, this season's going to be amazing. It's going to be start dependent. It's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait to watch it uh, go down. Uh, I'll finish this off with uh you can give me like what's your setup watching the supercross races uh on a saturday obviously things are going to be different now with uh with the 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 peacock app and then i'm in canada so i'm watching it on the on the the race pass uh or the video pass but uh i'll give you mine i'm usually i'm usually like i usually start the race late so that i can fast forward through some of the commercials or at least some of the breaks stay away from my my phone um, but I'm keeping track of it throughout the night. I usually, I'm, I'm locked on the couch. Don't come near me. I, I, I like to just like shit talk all the riders while, while like I'm just, I'm basically just chirping everybody that's having a bad performance. It's actually quite comical to listen to uh, if I don't say so myself. Uh, usually accompanied by uh, two or three, maybe six uh, adult beverages, usually beer, not mixed stuff because otherwise things get messy. What about you, Kellen? Well, uh, we at RacerX are usually quite wide open on race days, so I'm going to be stuck sitting at my desk looking at my computer monitors and uh, doing a lot of work to maintain 
the website, but usually just got my monitors in front of me. I got a big TV to the left of me that I turn the race on and maybe kick back a few brewskis and watch the racing. Fair enough. What's the brewski of choice then? Uh, well, I'm from San Diego and we have a lot of local craft breweries out here. So I, I have this one that I really like called Red Trolley by Carl Strauss. Um, but I also don't mind a, a good, you know, light beer, either a Coors Light or a Bush Light or something. Fair enough. So it's either like full on, like the like the creme de la creme of uh, of craft beer, or absolute like basically like what what we in Canada call water. Yeah, yeah, but it, it ends up being a lot of water or a little craft beer. So fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I've I've definitely found that drinking in the states is uh, an adventure, especially if you're uh, if you're drinking <laughs> uh, American light beer. I swear to God, you you get less drunk while drinking it. It's insane. Uh, Matt, what about yourself? Uh, this year it's going to be a little different for me. Um, I'm usually watching it on the NBC Gold app on my TV, sitting on my couch with a, a few cold beverages. But uh, this year, because I'm in the process of moving, I'll probably be uh, spending a lot of time on my, my phone or my tablet trying to catch up either you know late while the races are on or as a rerun later on. So... Um, I'm not going to be much help this year for being up to date on the race results. Fair enough, my friend. Well, hopefully uh, you'll be able to, to still stay on top. It's steep, keep watching it. It's not going to be like 1995 for you where you're having to call 1-900-PRO-RACE to get the results. Um, I don't know about you guys. Obviously, Kellen, like this is maybe like pre-working for uh, for Racer X, but like if you ever like didn't weren't able to watch the race on a Saturday night and then you were trying not to like spoil it for yourself and then you just open Instagram and it says like congratulations to Eli Tomac you're like damn it <laughs> yeah um, I'm a big fan of Formula One and that happens to me every Sunday morning because I don't particularly love waking up super early to watch the racing um, so I don't have that specific thing for Supercross because I've always been like a big enough fan that we make it like a whole party every night or every time there's a Supercross but yeah, it happens to me all the time in F1 where I open Twitter and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah, no, I do the exact same thing. I know, uh, Matt, you, you, we've had texts about that as well. But, uh, boys, this has been so much fun. Uh, I, I know we, I might have to call you guys up for a race review at some point or uh, uh, some point in the podcast, some point in the season to sort of uh, reconnect and chat about it. I really appreciate both of you making some time to uh, – basically just shoot the shit with me and uh and figure this thing out piece by piece this has been a lot of fun yeah, well, thanks for having me. absolutely i haven't really talked too too much to kellen other than uh, a few tweets here and there uh but uh, it was really easy to make rapport with you my friend uh you're an educated uh, guy within the sport and same thing with you matt i love having you on because you really uh you think through the answers and uh, i think that those who are listening gonna uh, get a lot out of this uh, some unique perspectives from three guys who love the sport well thanks for having me brad i appreciate it and i'm looking forward to doing this again awesome boys well do not hang up just yet but for podcast sake we're gonna cut it off right there well there you have it the 2021 450 supercross preview show 
We put a lot of thought into it. We put a lot of work into uh, making our analysis for this, and I think it turned out okay. Um, I hope you guys like listening to these podcasts. Uh, I got some different ones coming down the pipe in the next uh, few months, uh, but these are so much fun to make. Uh, I love just dissecting the, uh, the talent, and uh, it's never been deeper, as we said about five million times on this podcast. If you stayed with us for the entire hour and a half here, or just short of, uh, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you giving me uh, part of your week leading up to uh, one of the biggest races of 2021. I hope that you guys are doing well, and I hope that you guys are enjoying these podcasts. Um, as always, if you have uh, any um, requests for podcasts you want any guys you want to see on here I always do my best to try and get uh, guests if they're uh, if they're asked for and uh, also I wanted to mention that uh, we're doing a, a Pulpamex fantasy uh, league for uh, Big MX radio listeners if you want to join the league it's a $10 buy-in and uh, 100% of the uh, entry fees will go back will go to the top half plus one uh, entrant to uh, the 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 league and uh, hopefully you'll see you guys in there so you, all you have to do is uh, paypal bradgebhart88 at hotmail.com uh ten dollars and uh let me know that you're uh wanting to get the um the password for the league and uh hopefully we get more people in there i believe we have 10 in right now so uh there's well over a hundred dollars um I guess I'm I'm one of those, so it's uh, over a hundred dollars uh, available uh, to be won by uh, by at least five people. So someone's coming right away with at least fifty bucks. I'm thinking so. Um, join if you'd like. Uh, if not, uh, I'm still planning on doing some podcasts to sort of give some people some tips and tricks they might want to put into practice for uh, the upcoming races. Uh, as always, thanks for the time and uh, thanks for listening. We'll ta- we'll chat again soon.